regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Hello, I have Raquel Hopkins. Hi, Raquel. Hi, Carly. I'm going to do a little intro of the fabulous Raquel here. She is a Forbes contributor, life coach, HR professional. She specifically works with high-achieving women who still feel empty despite achieving the world's idea of success. What I love about Raquel that I'm excited to have you on here is that she's going to help talk about tangible steps to reframe thinking surrounding what we think a successful life looks like, especially for those that are post-divorce or going through divorce to think, now what? Um, And one of the things that I read on her awesome website, which I'm going to include in the episode notes, is this. We often get so ingrained and complacent in life that it's often challenging to view things from a fresh perspective. It is difficult to fathom and digest the possibilities that exist out there in the world when we are so familiar with operating within what we have deemed safe so long. So we have a lot to talk about. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited. So about tell it. me, I know I read a, a little bit about your story that you were on one road in terms of career, and then you kind of took a swerve. What helped you swerve? Um, I, I honestly think that life is coming back full circle, right? So I wanted to originally before I um, got into HR, I wanted to be a psychologist or, or a therapist, right? Which is still within the realm of coaching and supporting yep. people. Um, But I was like, I don't think I'm going to go back and get a master's degree. I'm just going to go the route of business. HR kind of gives me the opportunity to be able to still support and serve people. Long story short, I ended up going back and getting a master's anyway. I had gotten my MBA um, and wanted to make money, right? That was my goal. I wanted to be able to make money. And I just felt um, unfulfilled at some point. And I'm right back to kind of what I wanted to what I wanted to do in the beginning. So that's actually a gift, I think, because you know, talking about making money and the word success, I have three boys and we talk about what success is a lot because you know, in our society, success is really clear. It's having nice things, having a nice house, nice cars, being able to do nice things. And those things are wonderful. But mm-hmm. as you and I both know, they do not equal content, joy, fulfillment, happiness. How would you approach someone that is like our listeners who, regardless of how they found out that they're going to get a, a divorce, their whole world of success has changed. Their family life, the vision, that story is, is over. Um, a lot of them have to have a new career path because they never planned on, on this road. How do you help someone when they come to you and they are stuck? They, they feel stuck. Question. I think um, the first thing is recognizing that we're all we all are influenced by societal norms and pressures. I don't care how independent you are, how smart you are, how intelligent you are. At some point, um, the guide or the roadmap that we choose to follow is based off of what we see. 
and eventually, whether it be marriage, career, money, whatever it is that you're you're seeking for success, and at some point you find yourself and you say, hey, it's not working for me. This isn't necessarily what I want for my life. And I think that for your listeners, when you're talking about being divorced, um, maybe it is. I mean, I know for me, the white picket fence, marriage, two kids, not three, not one, two children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of like the definition of what success is, um, for many people. And then when you start to actually do life, when you, and, and, and doing life from all of these different transitions to, to having kids, to having to discuss finances, to having to discuss, um, responsibilities, certain responsibilities, you find yourself, you're like, "Mm, I don't know if I really signed up for this, but I think that, um, we get stuck when we put labels on what things are because who says that divorce is necessarily a bad thing? Yeah. I mean, there are some people that say that marriage is terrible. I don't ever want to participate. I enjoy doing life this way. So I think that um, it begins with reframing the way that we view things. And a lot of it is our outlook, right? So if you already have the perspective that divorce is bad, And you probably have that perspective that divorce is bad is because you were once defining what success was based off of maybe your parents' marriage or maybe other friends' marriages or whatever society says is successful. And usually it's not a divorce. People don't um, celebrate you getting a divorce. And I think that that's where it has to change. If you want to get unstuck, you have to define what success means for you. Yeah. I want to say something that you piggyback off what you just said. So I saw something when I was reading about you and I love that you have the word failure in quotation marks. Cause I do too, because I say we decide what failure means. And when we, I refuse to let my clients call their marriage a, fla- a failure if they have children, because what that essentially is saying is that the children are a failure. The marriage is not a failure. It produced beautiful, amazing children. It probably produced some good memories along with some not great ones, but it's not a failure. It just didn't work out the way that we thought it was gonna work out or that we, we wanted it. But I love how you're talking about reframing how we view things. And that's where we are really connected because I personally know lots of divorces that are miserable. And that's what I grew up knowing. So when I was approached with that, I was like, I don't want that. And then we get to like what you do and what I do is we get to say, if you don't want it, then change it, do something different and totally change it. So when you're talking about reframing, that is before you even take any action, right? You're, you're starting over from the beginning. And I think that, right, you're starting over from the beginning. And I think that one of the, the, the foundational principles that, that I keep in mind just with, every, just with anything in life is life doesn't offer any problems. Life is only offering opportunity. And if you're labeling something, life doesn't offer um, any problems. Life is always offering us opportunity. And if you're labeling something as bad already or not so ideal, you're already missed out on an opportunity to be able to see any opportunity because you're so focused on what appears to be the problem. Yep. And you miss it because you're so, yeah, you're so focused on all the negative aspects that are going to come with it, potentially, not even for sure, but you can't see the positives. And you and I both know when life throws you a curveball, you can sit and cry and be miserable about it and just stay stuck in that. Or you can say, okay, now what? And you talked about that. And so I want to know how, so the tangible steps to reframe our thinking are, we need to reframe the way we view things. We need to look at it as an opportunity. What else? 
Yeah. I would say the other thing too is recognizing that pain is inevitable. Like yep. what you just said, life is always throwing curveballs and pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to what you were saying early, Carly, about choice. It's recognizing that we do have a choice and we have a choice in terms of how we feel and how we choose to view things. I love it because it's true. We, you know, life doesn't promise us. And I, and I have to say, you know, we're about to go deep for a second. I have a really good friend who lost his son and um, we've just become really close over the years. And I was talking to him the other day and he said this line that I love. And he said, it's later than you think. And I love that concept about it's later than you think, because I'm really, I believe that our time is really limited and we need it to live a life that we're excited about now. And, you know, everyone's given all these opportunities and some of them are obstacles as they are opportunities, but we get to decide what we want to do with it. We get to decide if we want to stay stuck or grow. You know, there's that whole idea of post-traumatic growth. So Mm -hmm. how are you going to grow from this? So I love this idea Um, How do you create a new story when you're working with your clients? Well, it all depends on the client, right? Because not everybody is ready to shift. And I think that that's one of the things a a great coach will recognize that maybe this person isn't ready to recognize that I really do have a choice. Maybe they need a little longer to sit in their stuff. Yes, I just want to go go to this really quickly because that's the, the misconception with therapy and coaching, right? Like at what point do you say, okay, this person is, we've been talking about the same thing for four to six weeks now. Okay, you're probably stuck and maybe I need to refer you out to a therapist because this is outside of my scope. Now with coaching, let's say it's two two or three, you use your, your professional intuition, two or three sessions. And by third session, they say, you know what? I don't know, my kid ran up to me the other day and gave me the biggest hug. And I realized that life isn't so bad. Um, I think that it's important not to shift people when they're not ready. That way you can sit in your stuff and feel whatever you're feeling. So I'm mindful about not rushing to to shift people, being detached from the from the outcome of, of, of your clients. And you know that Carly as a coach, like we really wanna let you know that you have choice, you have choice, but um, I'm big on sustainable results, right? You want long-term sustainable yes. results. And if I'm just trying to shift and reframe what you're, what you're thinking and something doesn't change inside of you, then you're probably going to be right back uh, dealing with me on the same issues or even needing therapy in that case. So um, I would say being, being aware of when a person is actually ready to, to, to shift because Um, to get a divorce, that's a huge transition, right? Like everything changes. Things change for you. Things change for your children. If you have children, I mean, oh, I was getting ready to curse. Sorry. If you have have a dog, I mean, it changes for the dog. Like everything literally changes. So I think the recognizing that um, you've just went through a major life transition. And um, one of the things that I remind my clients is, change is constant. It's always happening. Like, and that's one of the things that we don't have control of. I know people always say, focus on the things that you can't, um, that you can't control and um, don't worry about the things that you can't control. But usually those, the things that we can't control is the thing that kind of like drives us nuts, right? Of course. Um, So the focus really has to be on you changing as a person and really changing your outlook and your views on life. Because a lot of what, 
causes us undue stress is our personalities. You know how you say some people like, man, she got smacked down yesterday. She got got smacked down again. She got back up. Um, And some of that is kind of like in your DNA, sort of like your personality. And I recognize that not everybody has the ability to do that. And then you have some people that may just need a little bit more. I have to say, I am going to disagree. I think it's because I've been working with women besides in coaching, I've been working with women in recovery for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone's capable of doing what you're saying. It might be harder Mm -hmm. for others, but you and I both know we don't just wake up like this. Like we are, what, what no one sees is that when I wake up, I'm listening to motivational speakers all day long. I'm hearing little lines that remind me that it's a choice if I want to, you know, change my life. It's not going to happen to me. I have to do the little teeny, I love that you talk about sustainable. Like, I love that it's about sustainable change because like anyone knows that's ever been on a diet. If it's, if it's just something you're trying to do for like a period of time, it's never going to change you. It's just Mm. a moment. And it's about, so what kind of sustainable choices and changes do you help clients make? Sustainable choices. Um, I, uh, Carly, I let, I let the client guide me. Like Mm -hmm. I can't make the choices for you because if I'm making the choices, then it's not necessarily, uh, sustainable. And I do agree with you that everybody has the ability, um, to change uh, or, or recognize that they do have choices. It just all depends on who you're dealing with. So, um, whenever I'm working with someone in the beginning, it's all about that assessment period, right? Like who do I have here? What's the personality type? What are their real goals? Because you you think that a person is coming to you for, for one thing and then it turns out to be something completely different. So I do more listening than, 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 than anything. Um, I don't know what those choices are. I mean, we find that out as we build, right. build these relationships. So um, the only thing that I would say what's sustainable is it has to happen from the inside out. Yes. It doesn't happen from the inside out. You're always struggling because life is going to continue to throw those curveballs. There's always going to be a reminder that you've gotten divorced. There's always going to be a reminder that you're now a single parent. Um, And what you choose to look at or your outlook is going to determine um, what's sustainable for you. So how do you help clients change from the inside out? How do you help them with their outlook? Like one of the things that I do with my clients is I make them do some writing work to envision their life one way versus another way, depending on which path that they want to take. And then I ask them which one they want their outcome to be. So we kind of do a lot of, you know, forward thinking because my first work with them is usually getting them through like all their past stuff, resentments and fears. So we can get to like now, because you can't have the future you want if you're not going to decide what you want it to look like. That's why I love that you said, what are your real goals? Like, what do you really, who even thinks to ask someone who's going through a divorce, what are your real goals? But that really is what it is because what do you want next? Like, what do you want from, from the rest of your life? I love that. I think that, well, not even, I think I know this for sure, because even me, I think that there are two, well, there are two questions that we're always asking ourselves, who am I and what's next? And if if you're this divorce person, um, your identity, I'm, I'm sure people feel like your identity has been ripped away, right? I once yeah. was, and now I am what? 
Um, and then it's the what's next? What's life after marriage looks like? Um, I just forgot the question. I love that I just, so much. I was getting ready to go on a roll together. <laughs> I want you to. I want to say something about that. First of all, I 100% agree. And what's next? So what is so exciting to me about the work that I'm doing is once you get through like the junk and all the anger and all the stuff, and you figure out what kind of life you want, the what's next is my empowering reminder that we get to write this next chapter, that we might not have been able to write the last one because of the circumstances we place ourselves in or that we were in, but we get to decide going on. That's empowering. Like it, it, There's no more being stuck unless you want to stay there. Yep. I love that. Can you tell me about, if you have a client that's feeling like, we talked about this a little bit about failure, how do you help them see that this is not a failure? How do you help them through that? I think the easiest way to help someone through a failure is talking about past successes. When you're able to talk about past successes, people, there's like this light. And maybe in your case, just trying to, to, to keep this um, in line with what your audience is, um, let's just say you are this divorced person and you happen to run into someone with um, having coffee or in the grocery store and they're having a rough day and they're like, they end up telling you about their divorce. What people don't realize in that moment, they have that conversation and you share your story, just, you know, it's going to be okay. You can get through this. I've gotten through it. That's a past success. Um, and it's empowering in a sense, right? Because if I can do it or if I've done it before, I can do it again. So past successes is the easiest way um, to remind people that failure is an illusion. Because if you have a reminder of how you've been able to overcome hard things in the past, um, sometimes that's all we need is a reminder of just past situations. It, it appeared hard and then I got over it. Okay, yeah. well how tell me what's different in this situation that we're talking about today. I love that. And I love that idea. I've heard it before about how in order for an arrow to go far, it has to be pulled back a little bit and then they can, you know, go forward. And, you know, I'm a runner, not, not a fast runner, but a runner. And when I did my half marathon, I remember a sign and it just said, you've got this. And sometimes you just need someone to tell you you've got this because we do like we have within us what we need. We just doubt ourselves because Absolutely. of, you know, because of the society and the voices in our head. Um, so with that, I want to I want to go to our last question because I'm the most excited about this one. I want to know how you help clients to become a better you. That's a good question. How do you help clients become a better? And what you? is a better you? I mean, is that, you know, there's a lot of semantics with it, but is it removal of what we are no longer? Is it finding out what we really are underneath? I mean, and who get, I mean, obviously the client is who gets to decide it. Each individual, right. right, gets to decide that. But isn't that ultimately like all of our goal in life is that we want to be the best version of ourselves? I guess I'll just have to answer that from from me, right? Because yeah. it's like what you said, the clients have to, to decide that. Um, but I find that I'm a better me uh, working from a very authentic place, right? Getting back to the core of who I was put on this earth to be. And it's kind of mm -hmm. like what I was saying in the beginning that I feel like life has come back full circle for me, right? 
at one point I was chasing the money. I was chasing society's definition of what success is. And here I am today, um, I'm just showing up as me. And all of those other things will come um, without me having to chase anything because what I've learned is anything done by force is not sustainable, which mm. is why when you're chasing success and, and you got all of the things, eventually like we crash and you're, you're, you're burnt out. And it's because a lot of the things that we're doing is by force. So um, the best way to, to get to the better version of yourself, I always have my clients, we end up doing defining your values. Oh, and we've been two or three sessions defining your values because I think that we just throw out values. And I always use this example of me as a married woman. I sh um, one of my values I would tell you is family, right? But I've never taken the time out to define what it means to value family. Now, when I had gotten married, it's like everybody, like I didn't know like in what order, husband, kid, dad, sister, like in what order. Um, so I really had to define what family meant for me. And that meant that, um, especially as a, as a black woman, like we had this saying family over everything. And, and, I, and I've lived by it for a very long time, but now it's family over everything as long as it doesn't affect my everything. Mm, so I love that you come second to my husband, like, or, you know, sister or whatever it is. So um, I think that a lot of times we, because we, your everything is your immediate family. It is my immediate yeah. family. And I didn't know that. I mean, I quickly tell you that I value family. That's why when you're talking about these values, you really have to dig deep um, and define what they means because most of the issues that we end up having or dealing with in life is directly attributed to what's at the core. Yeah. So when my clients are usually triggered, it's because something is out of alignment and you're not operating within um, your values. And most people don't know what those values are. I love that. So what kind of questions do you ask to help them figure that out? Um, so I give a list first, right? So a list and I say only pick five because most people want to pick 50 values. Yes. <laughs> Right, I value this, I value that. And then I say narrow it down to five. Now define it. And then as we continue in our coaching session and let's just say we're talking about um, family that is on your list. In, in, in your clients, it probably would be family. Okay, you're, str you're, you're struggling because family, you prioritize family. Family is important to you. Your definition of family is um, two, two parent household plus right. children. So it's understandable that you would be feeling the way that you feel because um, your value of what family looks like has changed, right? Um, and then that just carries the conversation. It, it just all depends on, because we're not gonna have the same definition. Right, I mean, of we course. The same word, but the meaning doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. Can you tell me how you define the word value? Um, your, your internal map that helps you decide, well, make, make all decisions. All of my decisions are made for my values. Yeah. That's so interesting. So the whole entire, you know, foundation of my coaching and all the work I do is the North star, which is what was given to me by my friend who said that when sailors are lost in the dark and they cannot find their way home, they look to the North star so they can guide them. And that my children would need to be my North star. And that going forward, in my divorce and then post-divorce, my regular life, 
when I didn't know what to do, I needed to look to that North star and I would always know what to do. And that's why I think it's so important what you're doing with values and even more so, which makes me intensely uncomfortable is to have to list an order of importance, my values. Like you were just saying everything, unless it affects my everything, because sometimes it's on the line and you have to decide between two of the things you value and you get to make a hard decision. But if you truly don't know what you value, then you're never, you're going to make decisions that are not based on your core, which is how you end up, like you were saying, being not in alignment. So, so such good work. It makes me think about, um, um, at one point when I was in a therapy and she kept seeing boundaries, I was like, I don't like that word. (laughs) Um, just for me, I know that at some point you, you need boundaries, but I told her like, let's use different words, maybe like harmony and alignment because it's more value driven versus me having to put up a wall or block. It makes things a lot easier because you don't feel that people are um, coming at you in a sense and, 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 and disrespecting like these boundaries. If it's from the inside, there's not necessarily a block that I have to put up here in order to protect it's myself. It's so true. The word boundaries does bring a negative connotation. And even though they're needed, it's what I think you're right, like reframing that idea. For me, it's about if I went underneath the word boundaries and found out what am I really asking for here? It's asking to respect. It's asking right. for respect of my path and what I need. So that means that our job is to use our voice to say what we need and to do it in a respectful way. Right. But whoever- boundaries aren't for other people. Right. I always say boundaries aren't for other people. It's for yourself. Um, And if you're clear about what you value and who you are at the core, you don't even need to talk about it because your way of living and way of doing things, like you don't even have to open up your mouth. Like people understand who you are and how you operate. Like you, you, at some point you get to a place where you don't even have to say anything because it's a given. Like I love it. Their way of being. Yes. And they know, like, don't, you know, Raquel's not going to handle that. Like, she's not going to be okay with that. My, my kids know, my kids know there's certain values I have that they are ingrained in the way that we live, that they know, like, do not mess with mom about this. Like, yep. <laughs> right. Um, I'm so excited about the work you're doing. How do, how do our listeners find you? So I am on uh, Instagram. I am, it's, I am Raquel Hopkins. So R-A-Q-U-E-L. I'm saying your name wrong. It's Raquel. No, that's okay. Everybody says it. I don't want to say it wrong. It's Raquel. Raquel. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you. And um, I have Success is Complicated. It's on Instagram as well too. So Success is Complicated is all about everything that we're talking about here. Like we're all trying to figure it out, whether it's you're striving for success or you've already reached that peak of what success is. And ultimately we want to be able to live in the most authentic way. So my, my brand is Success is Complicated is just a reminder to continue to to do that healing work or that growing work, or like you were saying earlier, that post growth work um, so that you get closer and closer to what alignment looks like for you. So my website is um, iamrequelhopkins.com and you can get to Success is Complicated as well from there. I'm gonna include it all in our episode notes. I'm gonna follow you. I'm so excited to have found another soul sister on the path of being real and working hard and finding what we want. I love the questions that I get to walk around with after this episode. So thank you so much for your time. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me, Carly. This was good. It was. I hope we get to have a long relationship of growth and connecting. I will send people your way. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital. Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. On Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and IndieBound. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. Have a great day.